What was the question? Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas, your guides to the roller coaster of emotion that is SC Dallas fandom. In this episode, we'll be talking about SC Dallas's 3-1 loss at home to Sporting Kansas City, as well as their 0-0 draw against Minnesota on a Hall of Fame night with Willie Nelson in attendance. Um, probably the highlight of the week, I guess, for a lot of FC Dallas fans. Uh, here here with me to go over it all is Tristan and his dog, Maggie. Tristan, how's it going? Pretty good. Maggie, how's it going? She doesn't have her earbuds in. Okay, well, we'll move on then. Uh, also joining us is Jonathan Roz. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going pretty good, Dustin. You can always count on Tristan having like a very elaborate response to how's it going. I think it's always something like... Uh, it's all right, Dustin, or good. Yep. Um, I mean, if you want me to go back on that, I can, but it is just, I mean, it's going all right, man. It's I mean, Monday. It's, 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 it's been a while. The listeners miss you, Tristan. I mean, just, you know, they I know. know what, you know, what, what's been going on with Tristan? That's, that's actually why they, uh, they listened in today. They probably saw the show notes and like, oh crap, Tristan's here. That's yeah. No, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of hot takes, so we'll see. It was it was a pretty uneventful weekend for soccer in this house because FC Dallas nil nil, Arsenal was nil nil, even Liverpool Man City even as exciting as it was was two two just a draw. I'm not comparing all of those to that game necessarily, but it's worth pointing out the the dullness that was this weekend in soccer. Well, that may be, but something that wasn't dull was the lab accident that Nico survived last week. Uh, Nico, are you are you okay? I am good, and the lab is good. Okay. What happened? So what happened? There's no lab accident. No, nothing. Nothing crazy. Nothing. Something crazy. about beams and lasers and. Don't mind. The thing is, like, when, when you corks. when you when you set the fire, it's really easy to avoid the damage. So Nico's Nico's what? Nico's looking fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold up! Whoa, whoa! If Michigan State University or the DOE is listening, that that is definitely not what happened. <laughs> whoa! Yikes! Oh man, we're good. All right, we're good. everything all, all is good. <laughs> okay, well let's let's quickly uh, touch on that FC Dallas loss to Sporting Kansas City. It's not something that. Pretty. I don't. I can't think of anybody who wants to relive too much of that. Uh, it's. I, I heard people describe it as possibly the worst game of the season so far. Um, at home loss, three to one against Sporting Kansas City could have been much much worse. Um, rather than rehashing the whole thing, um, maybe we go around. Um, we go around the horn and let's talk about some things that you were able to take away from the match, if anything. Uh, do we have a volunteer to start? I mean, start with Nico. We always we always end with Nico, and then I take his takes. Let's start with Jonathan. Nico doesn't appear to be ready. 
Edit point. Edit point. Uh, the, uh, what was the question? <laughs> what was the question? Yeah, Nico is still confused about the, the the fact that somehow I knew he had set the lab fire, but <laughs> he, he's writing an email wait, to the DOE right now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I mean that we've we've seen a, a trend now with uh, well, this is game number two under Marco, and now then obviously we'll talk about game number three. Uh, I feel like he is learning the trying to cram all the Lucci lessons from the entire season or a season or two into an eight game uh, period. So uh, he decided he would try out the three in the back. And amazingly enough, uh, it didn't work uh, because it's I don't know if it's ever worked for FC Dallas, at least not uh, since I've been watching in 2013, 2014 uh, for them to actually get a good result when they try to play three at the back. Um I mean that 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 first half was was pretty tough to watch. Uh, they actually did manage to keep the scoreline uh, close. I think it was only one zero at the half. Uh, things opened up a bit more in the second half, and they looked a little bit more lively coming out of the gates. I think they made one uh, made one swap with Shun coming in for Tafari, moving more to a conventional four three three. But the you know obviously the the Acosta red card. Uh, penalty, which uh, I don't know if we'll get into here or not, uh, changed the the whole momentum for that match. So uh, they went down 2-0 and, and never could recover. But I guess th- to me, the, the big thing was you, you see that Marco was trying to do some things defensively, and he mentioned it. Uh, it was a very uh, defensive formation, played a lot of veterans, but uh, the outcome, especially in that first half, was uh, was not positive. No, it, it's like they decided that he decided they wanted to invite some pressure and they saw the way I, I think somebody else, it was a Seattle lined up against Sporting Kansas City. Very similarly, uh, the difference is Seattle can can defend and FC Dallas can't. And so like they they invited a lot of pressure only to just like, you know, the, the bin don't break. Yeah, they broke. Granted. The opener, uh, that uh, shallowy opener, was a world class strike. He duke, he uh, kind of juked around to Farai, and like I don't know, was it twenty twenty five yards out? Right. Yeah, and I was just watching the highlights. I thought it was one thing that stood out. Man, is we don't have a right back. Like they both of those goals, but their two goals from open play were, were created down the the left hand side our right-hand side on the defense. So no matter what you shake around, if you don't have the personnel, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you can you can turn it into a three-man three back line, a five-back line. It doesn't matter. If you don't have, if you don't have the players, it's not going to come together. Yep, definitely. A, 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 I think you, what you said about Marco learning the same lessons as Lucia. It, it really does appear like that. Like he's the same thing, the same things we learned earlier in the season, we're seeing again and just the same results. So, uh, Tristan, anything that you, you took out of that match? Um, no, but I did. Uh, I was glad that Pepe was able to get on the score sheet because that kind of cemented, I don't think it was in doubt, but it cemented his call up for the national team. This cycle, for sure, despite us being probably one of, if not the worst team in MLS right now, um, he's worthy of being on that squad. And so that was good to see him at least get that. So he'll go into this this break with some confidence. Yeah, that, I mean, that was my 
my takeaway as well was just, even a man down, Pepe is still a dangerous striker. Uh, and so don't count him out as somebody who can put a goal on the board, even if the rest of the team is not performing very well. I, I love one of the things that, that Tristan said, which was almost feels like a synopsis for the season, which was, uh, hey, if you don't have the personnel, it doesn't really matter what formation you play. Uh, and and, and <laughs> so I think true. that that's, I know, in reference to the right back, but I think that, I mean, overall, as we've seen this this club play through the season, I mean, there's a, there's a number of holes where they really need to to step up, and I'm sure that as we get closer to the offseason, we'll probably start talking a bit more about that. But that's that does seem to be a little bit of the the theme for the club is that uh, they're just not getting consistent performance across the entire uh, entire eleven. Yeah, a Lucci apologist might also say that it also doesn't matter what coach you have if the personnel aren't there. Oh, but, we we need to put a pin in that because that's I, I do think we need to talk about Lucci's stock after we get to these two games. Okay, yeah, let's let's come back. That'll be a fun uh, ending question. Uh, Nico, have you thought of something else? Is there something to say about the match? <laughs> this, oh, the, the about FC the Dallas match, match. about yeah. the FC Dallas match. Oh, yeah. not North Texas. <laughs> we'll get to that. I no, just overall, it kind of a really difficult match. Um, I don't know. It's, it, in one way kind of feels a little bit on par with just kind of the overall theme of how the season has gone, but really difficult match, but you could also say it's set up really well for the following match. I guess one other thing too, is that it's been a while since we'd seen, you know, we, we had Brisson and Acosta both who had you know very good early parts of the season. Um, but both who looked very poor in this match. Right. And I think that that's something else that's let this club down in this match as well as other ones is just some of the performance from the, some of those veterans who played earlier, played well earlier in the season and just haven't been. And I, I don't know what the case is for, for Brisson. It seems like in the case of Acosta, ever since he went away for international duty, he's not been playing as well uh, for Brisson. I know he's had some injury issues, but uh, I mean that, that uh, red card that Acosta picked up really resulted from, Brisson letting his man by, right? I think he, I think he had fallen down and was grabbing his shoulder uh, for an injury, uh, and then you know Acosta's trying to catch up with the play, uh, tries to go for the professional foul, ends up in the box, right, with the red card. But I mean, it, it's it was kind of a disappointing play, I think, from from the overall kind of spine of this club. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you want to talk about Brisson, that second shallowy goal on the breakaway, he kind of just gave Shallowy all the space as he came into the into the box on that breakaway and uh basically let uh let him walk right into the box and beat beat uh Maurer. So makes, yeah, definitely a disappointing performance from Brisson. Makes you wonder as we start to pivot into the next match, right? What's what's going on with Tafari, right? Cuz it's hey, we're not we're not seeing Brisson really step up. I think Hedges in the next match had a good game, but uh, for for whatever reason, uh, Marco Ferruzzi has not been uh, uh, c- calling in Tafari to come and start. All right. Well, if unless anybody has an objection, let's go ahead and use that as a segue into that second match. Um, and we we know that that Marco like is rumored to really want to use the the defense or I guess the um, the established talent and really try to get back to the the basics and 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 
use the the veteran presence uh, more. If is what I, what we heard whenever he came in, and like you said, the defense this match. So they set up in a wildly different uh, formation. It was almost back to the Oscar Pereja days of the four two three one. Um, and again, no Tafari it with it was, uh, Hedges and uh, Martinez in the back, right? So wh- you do wonder what what has happened. What did Tafari say about Feruzzi's mom? Tristan's looking. That I think I think he actually knows specifically what was said about uh, Tafari's mom. Um, no, I think uh, that's. I don't know what he said about his mom, but I would say that Martinez hasn't really been in the side for a while. And as a result, it's been shaky nonetheless at the back. And so like we just got done saying <laughs> the back line was a mess against what Kansas city. So uh, frankly, if you played defender ever, you you stood a better chance of of making the, the roster and the squad. So, um, and and frankly, the first half it was a tale of two halves. I think in a lot of cases in this match. So, first half was great. Second half, eh. so I mean that's that's a sign of the changes working, but not sticking in terms of uh, shaking up a lineup, having some longevity. I feel like so. the tale of two halves could have be the the t- episode title for just about almost every episode this year where FC Dallas will have one good one good solid half of work but not really put a pin in the match and then so, the other and then the next half or the previous half like it just it can't get two full halves of of solid soccer this year so that's a problem with coaching and and preparation in general i think then because it it takes you can kind of fake it till you make it in some cases, but in soccer, it's a situation where if if you have that, the teams aren't focused on the right thing or they're too focused on one thing and they neglect positional changes. I think um, this match in particular kind of cried out for a little bit of creativity to kind of be consistently showing. I mean, I thought... When I saw the lineup, I thought it was interesting that they had, um, was it five or six homegrowns in the starting 11? And I thought, oh, that's a sign to the fans. Like, look what we can do with our homegrowns if they pull on a result. But if they don't pull on a result, no one's going to care. But I thought it was interesting. The the entire midfield and then all of the, the front attackers except for Obreon were all homegrowns and that was a that was a clear I thought that was something that a lineup we hadn't seen in a while um interesting putting putting that together but clearly it didn't come off and and that's yeah it's been the way this season's gone um I don't necessarily think that all of the team isn't prepared I think a lot of players Jesus is really starting to click you kind of wonder how different the season would have been if Jesus had been playing uh, this strongly at the beginning of the season um, from day one and also had that partnership developed with Pepe from whether it was preseason or, I mean, supposedly all these guys have been playing together in the academies, right? And, and they come together and it takes them half a season for them to start clicking. And 
I don't know if that's a off-season issue or the fact that our team has just had a lot of turnover or the fact, in the past year. Or the fact that they played Hara up top for three quarter or a quarter of the season before they yeah, decided to bail. When he wasn't even here last year for preseason, right? He was a mid-season guy, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. If and that's we should get overly excited though. I mean, I do think that the I mean the front four have looked way better than we did than the club did earlier in the season. So the, I mean, it's been Jesus and Pepe. Um, and it's been uh, Obreon and either uh, Paxton or Shun on the other wing pretty consistently. And I think that they've done well. Uh, and it's a lot more fun to watch. But, I mean, if you look at the record, I, I don't have it. You know, I haven't added up the record since those four have started. But I still don't think this is a playoff club. right? So I think that it, they've been more entertaining um, but since yeah. they switched to that, the, it's, it feels like the balance is, has been lost and the back line has been just, you know, leaking goals. <laughs> so, so let me ask you that, uh, this, would you rather them win or would you rather them be entertaining? Yes. <laughs> win. I liked, I mean, so the last time this team was what I would call threatening for a title was the 2016 season. And there were times where they were exciting, but I believe that's also the same year that we sold Castillo in the middle of the season. And he was the most exciting player and they got rid of him and they still kept winning. Um, They kind of took a little dip at times, but um, it was much more fun to watch it all click because you got to see different combinations and things. So, I mean, going forward, if if you're looking at this as a rebuild, um, you got to identify pretty clearly what pieces are fitting into a rebuild. And um, that message, I don't know if it's been sent necessarily from the coaching staff, but probably from somebody like Andre Zanotha um, or somebody else that's kind of more on the, the football operations side has to have been sent to at least the agents to say, hey, look, man, if your guy can't adapt then he's going to probably get out and we're probably going to move him on um, because they need to be a little more. I mean, you don't want too much turnover, right? But you do want turnover to the extent that they'll be able to plug the gaps that currently exist. And then if somebody's making a name for themselves in a, a position, they, they have that locked down. And some people are stepping up, you can clearly tell. And then some people are just kind of fading into oblivion. Yeah, let's talk about one of those players that that has stepped up in this last match. I think the last game that Felipe played, we kind of gave him a little hard time just because he was kind of um, absent vocally as a leader in the back. And this match, not only did he, you see him doing much more communication and and um, marshalling of the back line. You all, he also made quite a few saves and and uh, got on the team, the player of the week team sheet, like I guess the bench. So Nico, you're a, you're a goalkeeper aficionado. Were you impressed by Felipe? I thought Felipe had a very good match. Um, Especially kind of, we've seen glimpses of him last season and then a bit more this season due to injury. Um, But that's arguably his best performance to date. I mean, he really kept FC Dallas within that game. Um, That also could have been a, a back-to-back loss without Felipe. I mean, he really stood up. Um, and you also see 
began to see him become a little bit more vocal. I mean, I'm sure it helps having Jose Martinez, helps having Brisson and Matt Hedges back there as well. But he seemed to have a little bit better command of his box as well. Um, if you kind of look back at the Vancouver match and the and the Kansas City match, it was those games were all about just FC Dallas defending for nearly the entire 90 minutes. This game it was a little bit more back and forth, but the it seemed there was some some stability in terms of the backline, and I think Felipe has grown quite a bit within the season. And you know the, this game right here is a nice culmination of uh, a lot of the progress that he's made so far. Yeah, I wonder if somebody got in his ear and said, "Hey." Uh- you know that loan you're on? Well, we'll st- we're, we're going to have to talk about that at the end of the season. So just like Tristan was saying. Well, it's likely that's why he got the start too, right? Because I, I don't, I haven't heard anything about uh, Jimmy picking up another injury or performance. So I think that it, the club wants to see before they make that decision to to buy him or not, what, how he's going to perform. And, and I would agree. I think this was, you know, one of his, his best performances, I don't know if it's enough to to cut a check for two million or two and a half or whatever it is that they have to do to to retain him. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again coming going forward. But I think if you look across the lineup, um, you made the point, Dustin, about these are people playing for their jobs, right? Trying to decide what's happening for next season. So where does that leave somebody like uh, like Ricarte, right? Who really can't find a lot of time right is that i know we've talked about it on this pod before but you know is this is this just another sign that ricarte has gone uh if we don't see him more in the next you know the the rest of the season the next i forget how many matches are left i think six uh, more. we don't see him yep. yeah if we don't see him more in the next six matches i think that the writing's on the wall there the the challenge there you know we've talked to nauseam about is like what exactly? How exactly does he fit into the side? And I think part of it's uh, just to some short and short recap. I think part of it is him just not knowing how to play in the system and not fitting the system. And part of it is the players not knowing how to deal with a player who can put passes as as inch perfect as he can and and be as ing- aggressive with it and uh, audacious with his passing as uh, Ricarte has been. I like think the other players just don't know how to deal with it, but yeah. But Dustin, it goes back to it goes back to the turnover of players, and if you have Ricarte as a player who's theoretically one of the more veteran players, he's been here for a year now, so he's automatically like a little bit more experienced, and he doesn't have the threat of constantly being called away for international duty. Like like Acosta does, so you, you got to balance both of those things. Would you rather get rid of Acosta, keep Ricarte on a little bit more than what you want, and actually go out and get somebody that can can play that defensive midfielder that they can pair with one of the ninety five homegrown center midfielders that have kind of been stuck in where they were in twenty nineteen, or would you rather still have to find that player and get rid of Andres Ricarte? Yes, and not that, that's the, the challenge is that Ricarte kind of plays that linking eight, right? And so the, this club is in dire need of a good six, of a strong six. They have been for for a few years. I think Acosta tried to fill in there. Uh, you know, we we've seen obviously uh, you know, early in the year, you know, Santos come and go, right? And nobody's really been able to perform 
from my perspective, well at that six. Now, Ricarte, I think he's he's competing with uh, probably at this point, Cervania, maybe Acosta, right, as a, as a linking eight. I wouldn't be surprised to see Acosta go on the offseason, but I don't know if Ricarte is enough of an upgrade from what we're seeing from Cervania that they keep him. Because I, I I really don't think that's the problem with this club. I, I think that uh, I think Cervania fills that hole well. I think Paxton could fill that hole well. I think he could play if he was healthy on a regular basis. Could play that eight role. Um, it's just really yeah. where does Ricarte fit in? And to bring bring things back to that Minnesota match, Cervania had a really good match against Minnesota, and we saw a lot of good through balls. We saw a lot of good linking like link-up play and, and uh, one-two passes with him in the build-up. Um, I, I think he did a he did a good job in this last match of, of, of saying, hey, you guys keep talking about, um, you know, all of the, the transfers and stuff. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, he, he, was, he was my man of the match until uh, uh, Felipe had those, you know, those, until those the massive double save. saves. Right, exactly, yeah. uh, which, which kind of tipped in his favor, but – uh, that I guess, you know, we talked uh, in the last match, right, about uh, Marco learning the same lessons over that, that Lucci already had. I felt like this was one where he did a little, a, a few things different, right? So, uh, Dustin, you mentioned that he played a little bit like with like Pareja with uh, the, the lineup. One of the things you saw was uh, when they would drop back in defense, it was almost like a 4-4-2, it felt like, with uh, with, with Pepe and Obreon really pushing the line, which is something yeah, very we compact four four two, a very compact four four two defensive four four two, and I think that you know, they were trying to go over the top uh, to to one of those two guys if uh, if they got the opportunity. And I think the other thing we saw was I think both Cervania and Cirillo were allowed to move forward a lot more than we've seen in pr- in prior matches. And I, I mean, I think that. Uh, Unlike the match against Vancouver where FC Dallas went down 1-0 and I never thought they were going to score, I kind of felt like the entire time I was watching this match until it until it timed out, kind of expected that FC Dallas was actually going to end up winning it. Um, but they never could quite you know, get that last piece together. So uh, I, to me, I'm going to give props to, to Marco and then also props to, to Cervania and others on how, the, how they played. It was definitely a more entertaining match. Nico, we haven't heard from you in a while. Anything going through your brain? Touching a little bit back on the player personnel situation and who's going to be here and who isn't. You guys mentioned that a lot of these players are also kind of playing for <laughs> playing for their jobs and really for this coming next season, um, especially those that do have options or are just going to be completely out of contract. Um, I also feel like part of that problem gets a little bit more compounded as well with whoever will be the next hire. Um, some can imagine that if it's going to be an internal hire, in other words, Marco, you might see some of those players go. Um, maybe if it's an Eric Quill, he might have, uh, be able to work some individual or work some magic, um, with that. Or if it's a completely external hire, you may, that coach may believe that he can actually use those players to, um, to, to, to whatever system they want to involve. So, I feel like that player personnel problem just gets a whole lot more complicated with the coaching situation that FC Dallas is also currently in. Yep. Still, uh, six games left. A lot of a lot of season left to go as far as figuring out what's what does the rest of 
the year look like? What does next year look like from a personnel perspective? Um, a lot of things to learn, I think, in the, in the, the rest of the season. It as uh, A lot of things to learn for who, though? Because I feel like... I feel like the fans kind of already know. Like, well, especially the ones on Twitter, we know everything. Do I? Us fans on Twitter know everything. I guess. I'm more so so saying that I think that if you want to talk about making this an attractive job, which right now I would say it is not, um, you would be really, really curious to see, I guess, how these players finish out. But also, I think for Ruzi, the best thing he can do, because I think we can kind of admit the playoffs aren't happening. Um, no, Tristan. He, we are not he, mathematically eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, since we're not making the playoffs, um, <laughs> the, the, the focus should be on what talent will be around next year and what's it capable of. Yeah, and that's, right? that's I the mean, things we can learn. Sure. I I just think that getting the reps in, it would be, go so big towards next season. Like, Paxton has not started the season healthy in three years, two and a half years, two years, I think. Same with Jesus now. He, he didn't start this season healthy. And getting the midfield sorted out would also be really big. But as fans, that's what I want to see is I want to see – Stuff coming together. I mean, Tuppy's not going to be here. He knows it's his time. You strike when the iron's hot. I could, I could see him maybe doing some sort of a loan deal, but I, I I'm getting out of here in January from him. Um, and then, other than that, I mean, Obreon's a bright spot, but you've got to be able to pull it all together. So, eh, we already kind of know what's happening. We're kind of a, a rudderless ship. So you got to say, what's good on the ship that we can salvage to keep it floating? And then maybe in a year, in a couple of years, 2024, is this a team that looks like someone that's kind of put together? Because you watch Seattle, you watch any of the sides in the MLS that have had sustained success, right? Some alliteration for you kids out there. We watch somebody like Seattle play. You watch them and they know how to keep a core of players together, replace the holes when they need to be filled. But at the same time, they're not trying to do stuff they're not capable of. Um, they're not playing, like we said earlier, tactics that are not fitting of of the team itself. I think you bring up a really interesting point with the Seattle thing. I think that's a just very easy to point to the successes of the league, right? I mean, that fan base, but also some really good coaching and a quality general manager. I mean, you had Siggy Schmidt and then now Brad Meltzer. Those are two quality coaches that, yes, they did have resources behind them <laughs> provided from the run office. And did you see the Atlanta hire? The, the way that Atlanta, I think it was Atlanta, they wanted the number two at Seattle so badly that they, like, paid his buyout and hired an assistant manager mid-season. That's how much they valued that. So, yeah, administratively and kind of structurally in terms of the first team, that Seattle is doing very well in that aspect, both from the front office aspect and their head coach position. Yep. All right. Well, let's um, 
Let's circle back to the conversation Jonathan wanted to talk about. I mean, we put a pin in it at the beginning about Lucci. Um, Jonathan, you had a question for us? Yeah, I guess the question is, um, as the team has now gone three games without Lucci and have gotten one point out of three games, does this raise the stock for him? Are there? You're starting to see as you look at some of the MLS riders, starting to see his name pop up as kind of tertiary for uh, some of the coaching positions that are coming open. I mean, is it as? You know, do do we think that there's a chance that uh, you know if 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 Marco just completely flops, right, goes uh, you know the next few few matches without picking up a win, that people say, you know what, maybe. Uh, Maybe Lucci was doing more with the limited personnel than we thought. So it's, I guess the question is, you know, as, as this kind of mediocrity continues, does it actually improve Lucci's position to, to find another role? Mediocrity is super kind, Jonathan. You're welcome. Yeah, super kind. I, I, th- I think it's a good question, but I also would point out that Lucci is probably more valuable in another role for a lot of clubs um, at the, especially with this new MLS reserve Academy league that's starting next year. Um, the thing with that though, is Lucci's value initially to FC Dallas was what? Academy. The youth Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so are you going to hire him and pay him MLS you get it because you're gonna have to pay him at least what he was making here. You're gonna pay so, him head coach so salary, or you you're, gonna, you're answering a different question though. You, so you're at you're answering does is Lucci gonna get a head coaching job? Which oh, is, I, I guess I think the answer the stock's down still. I think still, yeah, yeah, because uh, there's not really. I don't think there's been enough to say. Oh, this pl- group of players is really hard because we just got done talking about how they've mixed and matched and made some changes to the team and some lineups with the goalkeeper champ coming in. I mean, and Martinez coming back. I think that look at, I don't think this necessarily means that Lucci was necessarily getting a lot more out of the team because he wasn't getting that much out of the team to begin with. Right. Yeah. At least not, at least not this so, season. No. And I, and I would, I would, I would agree just, and I know I should, probably shouldn't answer my own question, but I, mean, I, I I feel like his stock might be up, but I think that his his role is probably, I don't know, maybe an academy director is a step down. Maybe it's an assistant coach somewhere. Maybe he goes latches on with a, a good experience head coach and uh, spends a few years, you know, somewhere else, right? Hey, maybe he'd show up with uh, Oscar Pereja. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think American soccer itself with this new MLS league is going to have to um, kind of – look at how they structure some of these teams because some of these teams are really dependent on their academies like FC Dallas and, and, and like the New York Red Bulls. But then there's a lot of teams that don't really utilize the academy system at all and find their success through signings. And so um, I think a team, if they want to get really smart about it, would bring him in to kind of look at what he did here. I, I still to this day would say that a lot of FC Dallas's success in the Academy is due to the, where it is geographically versus who's running it necessarily. I mean, you can always screw something good up, but it's 
if you're okay, as Dustin thinks, mediocrity is the gold standard, um, then then it's not that hard for somebody in Dallas to run an academy when they have a bunch of second generation uh, Mexican Americans. You have you and you had like the whole state essentially. Pepe's from El Paso when he came over here to play. Yeah, a bunch of players came from Birmingham, Houston. Yeah, I mean, you have the entire the South essentially Capus, that you're not really yeah. competing on. It, it it is and like there's just it's falling into a really good situation as well. But I do think that it would be interesting to see if you could replicate some of that success. Um, I thought I thought that there's if you go back and look at some of the big investments made in youth soccer that haven't been linked to an MLS club. Um, like the Barcelona Academy in Phoenix or in, in Arizona, um, you see that that was coaching, right? You took some good players, but you you made some players go from good to great really fast. And and there's been some of those stories, but the FC Dallas players, Weston's a good story. Chris Richards is still going strong, but um, I want to I want to see somebody do it somewhere else, like from FC Dallas, like Nico's saying good administration and good coaching at Seattle is desirable elsewhere. Somebody take Lucci and give him five years and $15 million to see what he can do in South Florida. Because, well, that's already, I mean, yeah, give him that in South Florida. Why doesn't Orlando city reunite him with, with Pareja? Why doesn't inner Miami actually do something smart uh, for once? He could come to Michigan. <laughs> Yeah, Ta- there you go. Hot, Why would you do a that? Of soccer, Michigan is well known for that. <laughs> Rip Lansing Detroit Ignite. City FC. Rip Ed Lansing Ignite. Um, uh, so, Nico, yeah. I don't think did you answer stock up or down? I think you guys With- hit all the kind of the important points. Um, I don't see why Lucci couldn't be a head coach for another MLS team like Cincinnati or Chicago. But I guess it begs a question, should he be the head coach for another MLS team or should he really take on a position as an assistant head coach or as Tristan saying, maybe a coach within USL or with this new reserve league coming up? Um, I think part of it was just also, it was an unfortunate situation. I mean, we, we know that he was supposed to become the North Texas coach made a really good presentation, became the FC Dallas head coach. So there's probably maybe a, a, a step that um, he could learn a lot from just, I guess, mentoring underneath someone um, before he heads back into the position. And of course, that's not saying that like that's the path he should take, but I mean, to each their own. Um, I'm So to answer your question really shortly, <laughs> Jonathan, to after giving my Lucci-esque answer, um, I think Lucci stock is sideways. Sideways. Yeah. Sideways. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel like if I was Lucci, I'd have a hard problem stepping back to do an academy role. Whether or not we, I'm sure there will be offers out there, but that's once you've been a head coach in MLS, that feels like it's three steps back, right? You have maybe assistant coach, lower league coach, and then academy coach. Yep. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if you made that kind of move. He'd be, I'm sure he'd be great at it. I think we saw that. He was great with the youth here with the club. But um, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop up as an assistant coach somewhere. That's interesting because yep. I think 
he actually might enjoy that. That was something Lucci really did talk about is saying he enjoyed teaching. Um, I mean, he used to be a, what, what was it? Algebra teacher? I know it was a math teacher. So he used to be Mm -hmm. a math teacher and loved doing the academy. I don't, I think he would enjoy it, but I I can also understand what you're saying, Jonathan. It's like how it is a step back per se. We also know, I I know that people, including myself, talk about how he wasn't ready when he took the, the role for FC Dallas, but he pitched that, right? His, you know, he he pushed. He made the. Yeah, he went out and sought it. Yeah, he went out and sought it. Right when the when the opening come and made his his pitch for why he would be a good head coach and what his vision was. Right, and so I think there's the aspiration there. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how it plays out over the next season. Yep. So I haven't. I don't know whether it raises or lowers his stock. I think probably uh, his stock stays pretty neutral from where it ended the the season. Uh, However, I will say that if if FC Dallas continues on its current trajectory throughout the end of the season, he's got to feel really vindicated about like what about not being able to actually do much with with this side this season. Like, it's, listen, I told you I was trying, uh, and look, you brought in you you got rid of me, and you didn't do anything. So like maybe not his stock doesn't go up, but he's he's got definitely got to feel vindicated if. If FC Dallas finishes not greatly, I would agree with you on that, Dustin. And you know, with Twitter being your sample size, I also feel like a lot of people were like, "Lucci wasn't entirely the problem." Um, that was kind of a, a, I guess, a narrative that was being fed. <laughs> which, which is kind of funny because if you'd looked probably like one week before the, you know, it was all about Lucci out, right? And then all of a sudden it's, oh, well, maybe maybe that wasn't the issue. Uh, but, you know, I think people who follow the club closely kind of understand that that's, that changing out the coach uh, with eight games left was not going to save the season. All right, and before we go, you know what time it is. It is time for Nico's 92-second check-in, the 92 seconds of your day that you look forward to hearing Nico's check-in for North Texas SC. Nico, 92 seconds on the clock. Are you ready, sir? I'm just curious. How many times did you say check-in Nico in 92 (laughs) 92 seconds? seconds. (laughs) What he should have said is, this is Nico's Kaiser Gomez check-in. Kaiser Gomez. (laughs) Guys, I'm out of drink. I can't drink whenever Nico says Kaiser Gomez. I don't think you have to worry about it this week, unfortunately, for NTSC. All right, well, let's let's hear about that in the update, in the check-in, Nico. Ready? Go. Did you spaz? No. Oh. Just waiting on you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, North Texas had a road game against FC Tucson. Last road game against FC Tucson for this year. Still have one more road game. Um, but kind of the, the final playoff push for North Texas, they're really trying to kind of solidify a couple of things. It's really managing the match for the entire game and really also closing it out. Uh, closing out games for North Texas tends to be a common theme throughout its <laughs> first three years. Um and so in this game, it was a little bit different. North Texas kind of playing a little bit more reserved uh, in comparison to like this straight all out high energy, high intensity game. Um, but they were still controlled the game. 
So I guess instead of being like in fifth gear, you're now in fourth gear. Um, but still had a good command over the game. Um, and Khalil Elmedkar, who's been having an absolutely amazing season for the club this year, getting the first goal, uh, getting a, an important first half goal. It seems like North Texas has kind of struggled a little bit to score within the first half to apply that pressure to their opponents. So getting that all valuable first goal. Um, and then the second half kind of, Tucson is really going at them, really uh, pushing at them, and also getting a little bit chippy. So another highlight there is how North Texas kind of handled their emotions. They really just focused on this, you know what, we're going to focus on our game. Yeah, these are kind of the, quote, dark arts of the game, but we're going to move past it. Um, And then Imanol Almaguer getting, uh, scoring the second goal of the game to really kind of solidify what was a... A, a, a strong performance from the team. Um, it didn't really seem like there was too much of a concern of Tucson kind of getting back into it, but that second goal really just helped really solidify kind of the overall theme of a, a very mature performance from the club uh, this game. So. That's a good update, Nico. I was about to say, speaking of maturity, uh, Dustin with his big gong. <laughs> So, <laughs> so like Dustin, when you found that sound, did you play it for like all three of your kids separately and be like, "Hey, look what I found!" Look and what I giggled, found. He giggled to himself, just like <laughs> brought the dogs in, yeah. see if those reactions. It, it entertained the household for a good three or four hours. How oh, kind of like my. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should hey. invest in Netflix, Dustin. Just FYI. You know the stock or the subscription. All right, so yeah, let's 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 pull it back in. All right, so I'm happy to entertain questions about North Texas SC. Hey, I do have one. I got one for you, Nico. Have you seen anything this season that has made you and last season really that has made you think that? Eric Quill, who, if there was a betting market for the next FC Dallas coach, he would probably be the odds-on favorite. Um, have you seen anything this season that makes you think he's like going to make FC Dallas not only better, but he's like ready for that job? Because ready is so subjective. But like, would they would he improve them at all? I think the argument is definitely there. Um, you can easily point to the fact that Eric Quill has a ever-changing roster every single week and sometimes has to play these players that kind of come down from the first team. So, for example, Freddie Vargas is tasked with getting Freddie Vargas just match minutes and also match fitness um, as well. So, I mean, his ability to handle a constantly changing roster and then also getting results out of it as well. It may not always be the best roster, but... His ability to work with a ever-changing roster um, is definitely a strong point. Uh, Dustin always likes to make fun of me when I say that he's an intense individual. Um, and <laughs> I'm I'm sure he can strike some fear in some veteran players like a Jose Martinez and possibly even Matt Hedges as well. Um, you do nef- definitely do not want to catch Eric Quill um, <laughs> on, on a bad day. But that's also good for the role and task he has right he's tasked with taking these very young individuals and saying hey this is what being a professional soccer player is and 
this is what is asked of you. Um, and if you really want to attain this goal in dreams, this is kind of what's what you have to go through. And it does help that Eric Quill had a playing career. So he's familiar with what it means to be a professional, especially here at FC Dallas. Um, so and then again, he's familiar with the club, the organization. Um, and <laughs> some people, some people tap that, oh, well, uh, it's going to be an internal hire. So you, <laughs> there you go. Eric Kula is already the coach of, of North Texas, but I see no reason as to why there wouldn't be any serious consideration for him being the head coach. Plus when, since Lucci has gone, he's done pretty relatively well results wise, um, getting two wins in the span that FC Dallas has gotten two losses and one draw. All right. So like you said, North Texas is on a two game win streak. However, they're, uh, they're going up against Richmond kickers in their next match on the 10th, uh, who also have a, a two game win streaks and they are both sitting sixth and seventh in the standings. So it, uh, could be a pretty fun, fun night at the ballpark for for North Texas fans and I believe that is a home match so could be one of the, one of the last times this season we get to see them at the at that that ballpark. Well, they got three more home games so it's three more home games. Yep. All right. Home game this coming weekend, then one last road game and then two more home games. There we go. Regardless, dwindling dwindling opportunities to go see North Texas SC in USL League 1. In USL League One. There we go. All right, folks. Uh, If for some reason you enjoyed this podcast, there is a button on your podcast app that will allow you to follow us and get all of your podcast, all of our podcasts in your app uh, the second they are published for free, gratis, as they say. You can find us online as at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter, on our website as at uh, uh, on our website, DallasSoccerShow.com. And also we're over at the strikertexas.com where you can find all kinds of goodness over there. Um, for Nico Mendez, for Jonathan Roz, for Tristan Vick, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for hanging in there with us and, and listening to this podcast. We said H-O-O-P-E.